Jeff and I talk about this a lot because, you know, we don't have any goals as an office um, that are that specific. There's no financial goal. There's no size goal. Um, there's like a happiness and quality of life goal. And then there's also this goal of satisfying a sense of exploration and adventure. I want every day to feel this feeling, which is, I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah. And I can't believe we did that. Hello, welcome to Overshare, a show where I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional. I'm your host, Justin Genak, and I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Working Not Working. Now, I want to apologize in advance for the quality of this audio, this VO recording. I am huddled in my closet in my bedroom at home, surrounded by pillows and covered by a wool blanket, sweating a little bit, uh, trying to do a makeshift audio booth. Uh, if you listened to last week's episode with Tristan, you heard that I sent myself home with a cough and uh, to get away from everyone and wasn't able to get to the studio well uh, now everyone is sent home with some uh, social distancing here in New York so I am here in the uh, pillow fort I created you know, doing this VO now, I know we're not supposed to talk about uh, current events in a podcast because that dates it but uh, whatever we're all going through this right now it's a, it's a weird weird time so how are you? are you okay? you doing alright? You stretching, you sticking your head out the window for some fresh air, uh, you're taking care of yourself. Hopefully, you are. Uh, I know it's important for people to get together, especially in a time like this where we feel really isolated. So, we're going to be doing, uh, we as in working out working, we're going to be doing a lot more virtual hangouts to bring people together. Today, we did two virtual huddles uh, with about 40 to 50 people each on Zoom. We're also going to be doing some uh, coaching sessions. Uh, some breath work, some studio tours, and workshops. So if you'd like to get in, in on that, uh, check out workingnotworking.com, sign up as a creative, and we'll send you the invites. You can also follow us on Instagram at WNotW, so the Working Not Working Instagram account, to find out more information about our events. And also, please subscribe, rate, and review Overshare if you've enjoyed it. Uh, it's the way other people can discover the podcast. And if you want to follow Overshare on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Overshare Talks. Now let's get into the episode. Do you have one of those friends that whenever you talk to them, you feel super lazy? Well, Archie Lee Coates IV is that friend to me. Uh, Archie is incredible, and he's the co-founder of PlayLab, uh, where they describe themselves as an extremely multidisciplinary creative studio with no particular focus, which I, I love that. They make giant inflatable flowers as public art and weird experimental shoes. They've made bounce houses for Virgil Abloh and Louis Vuitton. And they do design and branding and books and a magazine and ads and have a couple clothing lines and also have this slightly ambitious project where they're trying to build a self-filtering Olympic-sized swimming pool in the shape of a plus sign in the East River in New York City. And on top of that, Archie is also a DJ and a dad. So... Archie is that guy. He is the friend that makes me feel super lazy, yet also super inspired whenever I talk to him. Uh, him and the Play Lab crew make me always want to dream bigger. So he's a great person to have in my life, and he could not be nicer. And I, I love seeing nice people succeed. And I feel like that might be the greater theme of Overshare. If you've listened to any of the episodes in the past two seasons or two plus seasons, it's just really good people. Being successful, and it's great to see and great to be surrounded by. Now, Archie and his partner Jeff just moved the whole studio to LA from New York to LA. Great, five-person studio, but they're doing a lot of hiring now. It's an exciting time for them. 
but this was recorded before that move. Uh, it was recorded uh, live recording from On Air Fest at the White Hotel in Williamsburg. And I want to thank them and our friends at Simplecast for hosting us in the Simplecast Lounge. Now, in this episode, you will learn to keep following your curiosity and seek out that feeling of, I can't believe I'm doing this. And you'll also learn the importance of committing and knowing when to check yourself when you're going through the motions. Now, this is a great conversation. It's a short one because we had a limited time on stage at, at the On Air Fest, uh, but we packed a lot in there. Archie's uh, got a lot of wisdom, and uh, I'm really happy he shared it with us. Without further ado, enjoy this conversation with my buddy, Archie Lee Coates IV. First of all, I want to thank On Air Fest. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Also, Simplecast. I've been using Simplecast since we started Overshare, and they have a new Simplecast coming out, which I don't have access to yet. Um, but I can't. I, I got an email yesterday that I'm getting access this week, so I'm pretty pumped on that. So um, I just want to introduce Archie. You gave Archie a quick introduction, but he's the co-founder of Partner Play Lab, a New York-based creative studio founded in 2009 with no particular focus, which I love. Uh, they explore themes using art, architecture, and graphic design to initiate ideas. Past projects include giant worm tents for the new Museum of Contemporary Art and a storefront and storefront for art and architecture, a rebrand of America for San Francisco MoMA, and a compilation of all of the times Joaquin Phoenix has walked in his films, titled Walking Phoenix. Uh, in 2011, the studio co-founded the quarterly publication Clog, which is really beautiful. Um, and in 2010, uh, co-founded Plus Pool with Family New York. Uh, initiative to build the world's first water filtering floating pool in New York. Archie is the co-founder and executive director of Plus Pool. Welcome, Archie. Thank you. Uh, first hard-hitting question, how are you? I'm doing, doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Doing well? Doing uh, great. Haven't seen you in a while, so it's good to catch up. Seems like there's a lot of things going on. Uh, but I want to dive into a little bit of your history so we know like wh where you've come from. Uh, like, where are you from originally? Sure. <clears throat> I'm proud to say I'm from Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Nice. Uh, Isn't Pharrell from there? Pharrell's from there. You guys are friends? I wish. We, I was <laughs> friends with Pharrell. Um, I did work in a recording studio that eventually Pharrell purchased. It was one of my first jobs. And I sanded nice. wood in the, in the like, sound booth in exchange for recording hours. Oh, nice. So you're a musician? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. What do you play? Uh, right now, just a lot of production. Ableton. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Synths and stuff. And then, so uh, in Virginia, do you have a creative household you grew up in? Or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, definitely a creative family. My dad is incredibly good with his hands and, and taught us that he's built, like, a dozen homes. Um, oh, wow. And so we were kind of along for that ride my entire life, um, which was amazing. I have an uncle that, that is a painter and an aunt that is also a painter. Um, and so they exposed me to that kind of stuff. And then my parents just kind of encouraged it yeah. or wherever they saw me interested in it would yeah, that's amazing. Let and, me then, run. and so were you doing a lot of building as a kid and helping out on the... Yeah, I remember like I had at one point an allowance and I used it all to go to Michael's to get foam board to build like dr dream houses and stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> like I did a lot of drawings of like slides, you know, like everybody does, like slides to the pool. Yeah, uh, from, from the living yeah, room. Fr yeah, yeah, obviously I was like really up high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, definitely. And then at some point, I think I was like, I want to be an architect. Uh, and my dad gave me a book on Frank Lloyd Wright and... Um, and I was like, this is architecture. It was like the only book I had. <laughs> yeah. That's your only influence in this way. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like That's a pretty grade. good influence, huh? It was good, yeah. And then I went to architecture school, so it definitely did something. Where'd you end up going? Uh, I went to Virginia Tech um, okay. for architecture. That's where I met my partner, Jeff, and my wife, Emily. And um, 
Yeah, it was, it's an incredible school. We're now on the board of the college, which is really incredible um, and an honor. And, and so we go down in a few weeks, but it's nice to kind of play a role in what happens there. And how, and how the future is being shaped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then how long after school did you uh, end up coming to New York? Um, I moved to Richmond, Virginia the day I graduated. I started working the next day. I was freelancing with a friend of mine, Joel Spiesmaker, who's a, a talented graphic designer. He has a studio called Forest. Um, and then I just started applying for jobs on Craigslist in New York. I wanted to get to New York to start Play Lab. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I was in Richmond for eight months. Uh, and then I moved here in 2007, February 2007. So it's been, it's been just over 12 years. And so did you get a job initially in New York? Yeah. And then, yeah, how did yeah that I worked happen? for this incredible uh, creative director named uh, Zach Zucala, who no longer lives here. But he was uh, art director of Wild Cornell Medical College and Columbia University's uh, medical programs. Okay. And so it paid an incredible salary for a 21 year old and I had health benefits and I moved to New York and like could pay my rent uh, and pay my parents back for that first month's deposit. Um, and I did that for like 11 months and saved up money and, and then eventually uh, somewhere in that 11 months, Jeff and I got a studio and we would go there in Bushwick at night and we would just work, um, which was the start of it all. So you guys knew like immediately you wanted to start making shit yeah, together. Yeah, we had playlab.org. I taught myself HTML in like 2002 and, you know, kind of faked it till we made it sort of vibe. But um, yeah, we were, we were started taking on projects in 2007. And, um, and, what, and were they architecture projects or what were they? Primarily graphic design, branding, websites. <clears throat> a large part of our practice in the beginning was me designing and building websites for clients for a very cheap cost. After just teaching yourself HTML. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, awful. Like, just awful. <laughs> like, you know. But some people don't know, so they're like, oh, you made a thing Yeah, that's but on the, the funny thing is, yeah. man, like, MySpace was a huge deal in college, right? High school and college. And to use MySpace to the best of its ability, you had to know HTML or CSS to edit it. Right, and so you wanted the GIF backgrounds. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't even. I know. Yeah, I don't yeah. even think I had that. I wasn't even that cool, yeah. you know. Uh, just changing colors and sizes and stuff. But anyways, yeah. And then I was like, oh, we can make a website if I can do MySpace. I can make a website. But. Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys just started making stuff. Got clients coming in. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the. It seems like the bulk of your career for the past what eight years now has been trying to build a pool. It's been a large, su substantial part of it. Yeah. How, how the hell mm. did that idea come up? Mm. Uh, yeah, how did it happen? <laughs> um, a friend of ours, Dong Ping Wong and Juana Stanescu work with Jeff at this architecture office called Rex. Um, Jeff and I had just come back from Alabama. We opened a pie shop called Pie Lab in 2009. It was kind of the first project after we incorporated the company, um, which is another story, maybe. What kind, it, wait, what kind of pies? Um, great, great question. Um, <laughs> savory and sweet pies. Um, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember a lot of chocolate bourbon pecan pies, oh, wow. apple pies, and then there was a taco pie on Fridays that was, we did. Was it just a pop-up or was it a full It like, was a, a pop-up. I mean, it was kind of like an idea. It was like definitely, we did it with, through um, a program called Project M, uh, which was, you know, why can't graphic designers propose projects and then go build them? Um, and so we got involved with that and then about five of us went down Alabama and opened this shop and it was kind of a pure embodiment of what Jeff and I believe PlayLab is supposed to be about, which is, do we have an idea that we want to see in the world and, and what do we have to learn to get it out? And so we did that. And, and at one point I thought we were going to live there for a long time. And then my now wife was like, there's no way you want moving to Alabama. Um, and it's a great, Alabama's great, but, um, and so, yeah, we came back from there and it was successful. Like the, the project was successful and, in a very small way, 
uh, that felt big to us. And then Dong and Wana kind of saw that we had done that and were like, man, it's cool that like you're not design, you're not doing what other designers are doing. Right. Let's let's do something together. And then they had this notion of can we swim in the river and it kind of started. Um, yeah. And so yeah, we just kind of like we put it out into the world. We built a brand around it, designed the thing, and um, and then we got a call within like 24 hours from an engineering office saying, hey, we'll pay the first leg of feasibility studies on this to prove it's possible. Wow. And we were like, uh, And this was based uh, off the Kickstarter? This is pre, like, oh, pre year before Kickstarter. Okay. We, yeah, we did, we made a zine and like a newsprint poster and like did what we know how to do and sent it to everybody. And then like the founder of the Heinlein called us in and said, you know, I want to talk to you about it. And now he's on our board and he's led us through the fire. Um, but yeah, it's been a long journey. There's can we, so can many we for people who don't, are maybe listening yeah. to this, aren't familiar with the lore of the East River, mm -hmm. why is it such an audacious idea to go swimming in the East River? It's a body of water, jump in it. I think, um, I think there's kind of two parts to it. It has previously and historically been really bad. Um, we have 420 combined sewer outfalls that dot the city uh, along the coastline. These are large pipes that when it rains over a quarter of an inch, it, it takes the gray water, the storm water, and the sewage water, puts them together in a pipe and dumps it into the river. Um, it's a that, delicious cocktail. Yeah, it's a beautiful, yeah. disgusting um, cocktail. And so that's, <laughs> it's 27 billion gallons of feces every year. And that, it used to be not so bad. But yeah. now there's a lot of people in this city. And, um, and so the city has done a lot to change that and reverse it. But it's still thought of as a pretty disgusting place. And it's a lot better. But yeah. you still can't swim in it. It's illegal. Um, yeah. And it's not safe. Okay. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, it's gross. And so <laughs> how the hell do you build a pool where people can actually swim in it? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, it started as sort of just an idea. We launched on a lark. Um, we thought, hey, we should design a giant strainer, giant filter. That has never had never been done. So like a Brita filter. Yeah, more or less. Definitely totally different technology, but the same concept. Yeah. And uh, so we made like diagrams that showed stuff kind of like moving through this fake system. Uh, and we just kind of did a bunch of research, put it out there, and then Arup, the engineering office that we work with, was like, this is not so far from being possible. We have to really figure this out. They, they, they said, you know, it'll be about a quarter million dollars to figure out how to test this system. And so, oh, that's it. yeah, w when we learned that, we were like, okay, we have to make a decision. Is this something we're going to embark on or not? Like, the idea of building it, that's like so, that was so far away for us. Yeah. It was like a filtration system. Okay, let's try it. And we did, and we, we, we did that over four years. And um, now, eight years later, we have a, a, a domestic and international patent on the filtration system. It's the first of its kind. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a pretty insane unit. So you guys <laughs> just kind of put this dream out into the world and yeah. it started attracting people that were like, hey, let's figure this out. Yeah. And then you're like, what was the, so a year later the Kickstarter came, because that's how I heard about it. Yeah, exactly. It. So yeah. what was the, the motivation for that, and what, what was the goal of getting We were it? like, if we can raise a tenth of the money it would cost to test this filtration system, that'd be tight. And so we went to Kickstarter. We were like, how do we raise $25 million? And they're like, you're not, so don't even think you are. Just tell your story. Um, and we really, it was honestly about building a community. We, we raised 41 grand. We built this, this system that didn't really work that well, but it did okay. Um, and then we used that to leapfrog to another Kickstarter campaign. We raised $273,000, and um, we learned a lot more about the filtration system, and we've, we, we've raised millions since just for that and the development of the project. Um, we raise a million a year. We operate on a million a year budget. 
not for a small nonprofit, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and we only need 20 million to build it. And so right now we're working with the city of New York to, um, to get a home, an actual site. So you had a big week last week because yeah. I'm on the mailing list and I, I got the email. Yeah. What, you want to tell everyone what sure. happened? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we've been, we've been looking at the Brooklyn Bridge Esplanade on, in the East River on the Manhattan side. There's two piers there, Pier 17 and 35 that are both really perfect for plus pool. They're protected by currents. They have a pier in front of them and the community really needs something like this. Um, so what we learned from the High Line is that they had a built-in community. We didn't because we were a, literally a floating project. Like there was no home for the project. Yeah. So we're like, we just need to start focusing on community and what they need and asking questions because that's the goal of the organization is to serve the public and a diverse set of public. And uh, so we built solid community down there and then the community board, which is a fiery CB1, I mean, they're, they're a fiery community board and they were like, Let, why can't we have plus pool? We should have it. And so the way the community boards work, if you don't know, is, is they vote people come and speak on your behalf. They pass a resolution that goes to from one committee to the full community board, and then they pass a resolution to the mayor. And that's their official declaration that we should have this. So that's kind of like a multi-step process. We've presented to the community board multiple times. And last week, uh, the community full board voted to take it to the mayor unanimously. I mean, it was like, it's a funny meeting, you know, (laughs) and you're definitely like one of the youngest people there. <clears throat> it's definitely not like, doesn't seem like the coolest thing, but it's in that room that uh, something like Plus Pool happens. And we, I went and I spoke two minutes. I just said, thanks for coming and, and for supporting this project. We really, we were really dedicated to this. And then I sat down and I was with my team, Kara and Jancy, and uh, the head of the Waterfront Alliance came and spoke on our behalf. And he, he said, Plus Pool started as an idea and turned into a juggernaut. And then they took a vote and it was just yes, yes, yes. And it's probably like a hundred and something yeses and you just hear it. And I was like, just taking a cell phone video, you know? That's amazing. And I, it, was, it was definitely like chills vibe, you know? Well, and I know we've talked over the years. Uh, it's a daunting process. Like, I think it's easy to go and say, hey, let's do this. And then you've come up against the reality of bureaucracy. Yeah. And like, it's not like, hey, this is a cute idea. All right, let's 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 start development. Like, you, yeah. how many years have you been like going through the, yeah. the red tape and the channels? And what have you learned through that process? Yeah, I mean, I came to New York fired up to work with my friend Jeff to collaborate with people. I love art, I love design, but I didn't know anything about government politics, and I typically turn a bl- historically turn a blind eye to that in the in the pursuit of art. <laughs> Um, but then I learned a lot about Jean-Claude and Christo and what they had to do to get their projects built. And a lot of it was, you know, there's an idea in drawings and then there's the world in which the project happens and how that happens. I'm, the sculptor Tom Sachs talks about it like, you know, the 1% of a project when you come up with an idea is amazing and the 1% when you launch it is amazing and the 98% in between is like a slog. And I love that truth and it's true and Plusful is definitely that way. We've built little small chunks, milestones to get excited and yeah. propel everything forward. but. I mean, it's really, it's, it's government relations, community relations. It's, Jeff is the director of community and education. We have a STEM program. We teach kids in public housing to swim. I mean, it's, it's a massive project. And those are the things that we believed would get the project built. Like, we can't propose an architectural initiative that will serve the city if we do not serve the city before it's built. And so that's, smart. that's the invisible work that the organization does. That's what our galas raise money for. And um, it's not just about a very nice, beautiful piece of civic architecture. It's, it's a platform. It's a symbol for what can be done. I mean, 
you know, I'm 34 now. We proposed it at 25. I, I, I had no idea how something like this would happen. Neither did Dong, Wana, Jeff, um, or anybody on our team. We figured it out together, and that's what's cool. Like, I think a lot about the day that we'll be standing on a deck, like about to jump into this pool. I mean, uh, Matt Rubin here, who is a beautiful part of Simplecast, he was there to photograph um, the day we swam in Float Lab, which is this testing unit we built, and it was the first time anybody had swam in a clean, filtered river uh, since 1938. So and you guys put like a small little what, like three, four foot by four foot or something, like a little at box At one point we version. had like a 10 foot version. This, yeah, this one was a 40 foot version. Oh, I mean, awesome. it was a giant thing that we raised 270 on Kickstarter. We spent over that <laughs> to build this thing um, that worked really fun funky, uh, but, but it worked. And the day we swam in there was a weird day. And it was a beautiful day. It was a sunny day. And Matt captured this photo of us jumping in and like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Because I think at that moment we felt like, oh, like a couple of punk kids can have an idea and actually see it happen if they're like caring and dedicated enough and treat people well and work hard. And it's been a journey. Like we've, you know, screwed up a zillion times along the way. We still are and still will. But like it's, um, it's cool to see the team prevail. Like Kara Meyer, our deputy director, she's, I mean, she's more or less single-handedly run this organization since... March of 2015. I mean, she built the organization from the ground up. I don't know. I wouldn't have known what a nonprofit was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and as executive director, it's my job to lead that. And um, it's, it's, it's super difficult, but it's really cool to see this engine that powers an idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've learned a lot. And then how are you guys balancing running a creative studio at the same time <laughs> as trying to take on this yeah. yeah, Herculean it, task. It's difficult, man. It's super difficult, but it's um, we have a really good system. We have a really good team. We have five people at Play Lab that are incredible people, Dylan, Anna, and Phil. And we've had a bunch of people come through the office uh, in the past several years. Um, but we 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 uh, we rely on people. We rely on a lot yeah. of people, collaborators. And how has that uh, influenced like all the years and and the perseverance of Plusful? How has it influenced your work as a as a studio now? I mean, I think our confidence has definitely shot up. We definitely, and our endurance. And you take a long view. Like, yeah. I, you know, full disclosure, left architecture school after the second year to pursue graphic design because I was scared at how long projects would take. <laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I really missed the mark on that one. Um, and, and who knows if we'll do a long-term project like this again, but PlayLab satisfies the requirement that Jeff and I have in our brains of, of doing things that are a little shorter yeah. um, and can see results from. And so we have 10 projects running at any time. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty busy office. We don't rest on our laurels. We don't spend a lot of time showing the world what we do. We just work. We love to work and we love to make things. And for Jeff and I, it's like PlayLab is a belief system. We have to believe that the way we're going about work is the way we should. And, um, and so we just keep doing it and keep pushing the button. And over time, it's evolved into this thing that we know nobody can penetrate or touch. It's just something that's ours and feels right. And Yeah, only um, you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and that's that's a proud thing, you know. Well, and that's important because I know there's a lot of people who start businesses or start creative studios, and it's easy to go and look to competition and how people are doing things yeah. and, and trying to follow someone else's path. But the fact that you're just like, well, how, what the hell do we want to do, and how can we do it? And it seems like it's attracted a lot of business for yeah. you, oh, yeah. you know, and opportunities. Yeah, sometimes too much, and <laughs> yeah. like saying no is a fun thing. 
and a hard thing too. But, but yeah, I mean, I think it's also because other people open their doors to us, you know, very early on. Like I talk about these guys all the time, but Carlson Wilker, uh, small design office, incredible design office that really allowed us to pick their brains. And they were like, yeah, don't look to anybody else. Like, just look to yourself. Just keep doing it. Like, yeah. I remember Jan Wilker saying, it seems like when you ask me for advice, you're asking for permission. Like, you should stop doing that. And, uh, yeah. and that was good Great advice. insight, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you recently, or fairly recently, had another uh, kind of community project with Grown Up Flowers. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, how that came to be? And yeah. I mean, that's another one of the things. Jeff and I want to make large-scale public artworks. <laughs> Sounds great to do it. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, like any other project, I mean, you know, like, until you actually do a thing, you're not going to be asked to do a thing. So that's why we initiate a lot of our works. Right. And so with public art, we're like, we need to kick things into high gear, and we need to go out and start telling people we want to do this. Yeah. Um, and then putting drawings to paper. Um, and we started getting asked to things. There was, like, this time Mark Jacobs asked us to do something, and it didn't, it didn't happen, So, but we had all these drawings and renderings and stuff, and... Um, so we just leveraged certain parts of our work to get new work. And there was a, a donor of ours, Sarah Berman, who um, supports Pluspool, and she runs a PR company called The Berman Group, and she was like, you know, what do you guys want to do? And I said, large-scale public works, and she said, well, I can try to find that for you. Um, and she had this association of property owners, including Rockefeller and Mitsui and all these, these companies uh, up in Midtown, and they said they, they like art on 6th Avenue. I mean, it was as simple as that. Yeah. Here's, a, here's a healthy budget to go and propose something. We won, um, and then we, Grown Up Flowers was a result of that. It was how can we make the most simple, soft-edge thing that every artist throughout time has rendered flowers, and this will be our seminal moment of like, we'll do flowers, but we'll do it on 6th Avenue and float it in a fountain across from Jimmy Fallon. And, and, and it was same feeling as jumping in, in the test pool for Plus Pool. It was like, we did that. And we all went to a bar afterwards called The Flower Shop. And, <laughs> and it was like celebratory. It was like our friends together, happy. And then, you know, I remember telling the studio, I was like, tomorrow we go back to the studio and, and get started on the next thing. Like, yeah. it's snow. We don't take a day off. It's like, what's next? And so the flowers have traveled to Shanghai. And they're, and they're what, like 20, 20 feet tall, inflatable 40 flowers? 40-foot tall, inflatable flowers, yeah. And they're beautiful, yeah. Yeah, they're gorgeous. And, so um, now they're in Shanghai? They're in Shanghai in an exhibition. They come down, um, and then, I mean, hopefully we'll see, I'll, whatever I'll say it, is that they will come to the Queen's Botanical Garden in the summer. Um, but then we got recommissioned by the foundation in, uh, uh, in Midtown, and we're doing another installation in Midtown this summer, which will launch in May. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I think that's an important lesson, too, because a lot of times we sit around and either not happy with the work we're doing or our portfolio, and it's like, no, you just got to make shit that you want to be known for, yeah. and then it, good things come from that. Yeah, just keep making stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've also been doing some work with a well-known designer lately, Virgil. How did, Virgil, that, yeah. how did that come about? Are I you met, guys familiar with Virgil Abloh? Yeah. Yeah, I met Off Virgil White, through, yeah. through Dong and Wana. I mean, Dong and Wana have designed all these stores for him, um, Off-White and a bunch of other things. And um, yeah, we're working with him on, on a book right now. He's got, a, he's got an exhibition. Uh, it's a massive retrospective at the MCA in Chicago, the Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, and so we helped with um, a monograph, basically, an exhibition catalog that's like 500 pages that will launch in June, uh, which is super cool. Yeah, that's a good relationship yeah. to have, yeah. yeah. Um, these are a little bit more about you. Uh, do you feel like you have something to prove? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? No, yeah. Maybe to myself, you know. Uh, my dad always, you know, my dad always gave me really good advice, which was, you know, um, 
you know, it was something about sticking through something. Like, he always used to say, don't go through the motions. You know, I played tennis growing up, and he is an incredible tennis player and coach, and, <clears throat> and often my I'm, I'm kind of ADD, and my mind would get distracted. He would see it, and he'd be like, you're just kind of swinging. You're just swinging at the ball. Like, you got to follow through and commit, um, which was also like a solid skateboarding lesson is committing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I try not to go through the motions. I check myself every day. Like, am I just, am I just doing it because I'm doing it, or is there something more to it? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, with Plus Bowl especially, it's about, it's about committing and showing up every day and pushing it forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. Are, are you motivated by specific goals? Uh, no. 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 I, Jeff and I talk about this a lot because, you know, we don't have any goals as an office. Um, that are that specific. There's no financial goal. There's no size goal. Um, there's like a happiness and quality of life goal. And then there's also this goal of satisfying a sense of exploration and adventure. I want every day f to feel this feeling, which is, I can't believe we're doing this. Yeah. And I can't believe we did that. And then visioning out what the next thing will be. And that stuff comes through a dynamic of Jeff and I having conversations and seeing things out in the world. or the team being like, I want to do X, you know? Um, we spent a lot of time with a designer I can't talk about that makes shoes, and we saw the process in which those shoes were made, and we were like, we should make shoes. And Dylan in our office, Dylan Kogel, was like, I want to make shoes. So he just started cutting up sneakers, and we started building sneakers as a practice. Yeah, I've seen um, it on your Instagram recently. Yeah. And They're so ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, we, <laughs> and so we're doing a lot with that, and it's super fun. And then, and then now Phil Gibson in our office was like, I want to make lamps. And so now we're doing that, and so we're, we're midway through concept on a first series of lamps. Um, and then Anna in our office, who just joined our team from Brazil, she, she was like, I want to make speakers. And so now that's a part of the practice as well, is, is building, you <laughs> so know. So just following right? the team's curiosity. Yeah, because it's now it not just us, right? It's like they have to have skin in the game too. Um, that's cool. And then it's up to Jeff and I to figure out where do we take it. So, you know, do you talk to Adidas and Nike or just do you do, do, you do uh, an exhibition of these sneakers and see who shows up? Like it could be a million different things. Yeah. Um, but we don't exciting. know. The goal is just uh reveals itself every week <laughs> yeah well that's exciting and, and this question i feel like i may know the the answer to but I, I always ask this do you feel like your ambition ever gets in the way of your happiness uh i mean happiness is a little relative <laughs> yeah uh because it can be pretty painful uh my wife emily is as ambitious as i am and so we spend a lot of time working at night um and we have a beautiful son, Archie the fifth. Um, and so we're busy, um, but I, I think we like it that way. It's like, I like being in motion, she likes being in motion, and, um, and so you have to kind of like, sometimes you have to trick yourself into being like, okay, like, it's gonna hurt a little bit to spend an extra hour on this, but the feeling I get after that hour is like, I mean, it's like a drug. So um, that happiness prevails all the time, and so the goal is to just constantly be in that state uh, and never really step out of it. So, like, rest in vacation is a little hard to do. Yeah. But I don't... But well, now this is rest a little. Well, how do you find that, that balance as a parent now? Like, you have two giant things going on with Play Lab and Plus Pool. Like, are you able to find the balance with, you know, with, yeah. with a kid now and, and being able to... Yeah, I mean, the rule with Archie is that when we're with him, we're dedicated to him and we're focused. So, it's tough, but, like, staying off devices and... Uh, paying attention to him and like sparking what he wants to do. I mean, even at two, you see his like interests are crazy. He's bouncing off walls. And so 
the, the job and will be after this too is like, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. You like this? Cool, let's add more to that fire, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it's also like, I don't leave the studio past 5.30 ever. So yeah, I'm home great. with him in the morning and at night. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what's the, I almost feel like you, you, you treat him like you're treating your, uh, your, your team. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, what's your interest? Go and follow that. It sounds yeah. like the same thing as parenting. Man, I watched, I watched the documentary um, on the guy that free climbed El Cap. I haven't seen it yet, oh, but holy Free crap. Solo is supposed to be amazing. I watched it last night, or two nights ago with Emily, and um, the mother is interviewed, and she says, you know, he's you know, he's kind of a weird guy, and he had these inclinations early on, and even though free soloing is incredibly dangerous and most people die, she was like, he's so happy. And then she says this quote, she's like, why would I take that from him? Yeah. And I was like, fuck. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the... That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's the same with the team. It's the same with Archie. It's the same with anybody. What's been uh, your proudest moment? Um, I got asked this the other day, and I said Archie, which is definitely true. But in regards to PlayLab and, and PlusPool, um, I mean, it, the CB1 meeting this week was definitely one of the proudest moments. It was low-key, yeah. but it was, like, one of the proudest things that have ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, let's see. Uh, what is your biggest fear? Um, I mean, the biggest fear would be if, if I can't do this. <laughs> that, would be, that would be rough. <laughs> yeah. I'd know that I'm privileged, and I know that I'm in a privileged position, that I've worked hard, but I know that my parents gave me an incredible opportunity growing up. Um, I went to a great college, um, and I met great people along the way, and so the goal is to continue to like, honor that, Work, and that's through a form of working hard, being good to people. When people ask you questions, answer those questions. You know, like we have people right in the office 10 times a day asking to meet or for a job or like a specific question. And because Carlson Wilker did that for me, I, I do that for other people. And, I, and we teach too. And I don't know. I think we're trying to make sure karma is good, yeah. <laughs> which is hard and takes a lot of work. I remember... James Victoria lived next door to me for like seven years and we were running buddies and, and good friends. And he, I remember him telling me like about loving somebody is that it doesn't ever get easier, that every day you have to wake up and make a decision to do that. Um, so it's the same with this stuff. Like I definitely fear this stuff not being in my life. And so I have to actively every day propel, like gear the universe up, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. charge it up. Yeah. So. And uh, is, there, is there anything you're struggling with right now? I just, I'm in a pretty good zone right now. <laughs> Once you get a community board approval and 100 yeses, that's pretty, yeah, uh, pretty I feel good pretty, momentum. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. The schedule's a little rough. Like, I think we have some, somehow magically over the next eight weeks be in like nine different places on like 10 different flights. Yeah. But, um, uh, is there, is there uh, anyone that makes you jealous? No. No. That's good. Yeah. Um, do you have any regrets? Uh, no, no, no. No regrets? <laughs> yeah. You're really nailing these. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> That's a good... Well, well, why? Like, I know a lot of people yeah. do. Is it just something you don't believe in? Um, well, because if, if I'm, like, sitting here thinking about, like, the thing that I don't want to lose, which is this great life and the position I'm in to make this stuff with my friends, you know, everything I did, whether right or wrong, got me here, so... Um, it's all learning. Like, 
you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I never worked for an office, like a studio. I don't know how studios are run. I don't know how people make projects. I read interviews and I read books and I watch documentaries and I piece it all together and I take one foot step forward and like, maybe something works, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Um, And so I have individual, like, maybe we should have done this differently or I should have treated this. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't regret it. It's sort of like, I want to just be better all the time, so. Uh, What is success to you? I'm a broken record, but I think yeah, just like keep doing this. Yeah, being able to do yeah. this. Being able to do this and I think like honestly like Emily and I talk about our lives like not to sound egotistical, but like if we were to have a coffee table book on our lives at the end of our life, would we be would we be happy with what was in it? Like if somebody did a good job and got all the shit in there, yeah. <laughs> like would we be happy? And so I think that's it. Like I think if I can like die and like my son's looking through this quote unquote coffee table book, he'd be like our family's tight, you know? That's that amazing. would be it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how are you feeling right now? feel great. feel great. <laughs> well, thank you, Archie. This yeah. has been awesome. Yeah, of course. I think we have time for one or two questions. Are there any questions in the crowd? Does anybody want to know how dirty the East River actually is? Uh, yeah, tell us. Isn't it, like, what, isn't it like a parts per million with fecal matter? I think you... I heard you say yeah, this once. Yeah, it's really after it rains, there's like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fecal coliform uh, in the river, bacteria. Um, but you guys got it down to a safe... Zero, swimming. yeah, zero. zero. Yeah, zero. Wow. Yeah, the filtration system is zeroes it out on the worst day of the year. We have these like little things when we test. You, you bake bacteria over 24 hours, and then you see like how bad it is. It takes that long to find out. Um, and so you have these little cells, there's like 50 cells. And so you can have like, I think it's up to 25,000 counts per cubic milliliter. And you can only have like EPA standard is 30 counts. Well, after it rains, the thing's maxed out. So it's like 25,000 counts of this bacteria stuff. Um, it's pretty gross. Got to zero. (laughs) We have a question right here. Hi, uh, thanks so much for um, telling us all about your project. I had a question. So you said, you know, you started this project at 25 and it's been, you know, 10 years of like slog. Um, my question is like, did you ever get to a point where you were like, this might not work? And what yeah. did you do when you were like, I don't know if I can maintain this and how far along were you that you were able to like keep going past that point? Yeah, no, a lot, a, multiple times along the way, <laughs> a lot of times. But I think, um, my partner Jeff is amazing, and uh, the team Dong and Wana that we started this with are amazing. And I think Dong, especially, like he's never had any fear with this sort of stuff. He just pr- approached it with like a smile on his face and like positivity. So anytime we'd get emotional or roughed up, he'd be like, "Let's just keep going," <laughs> you know. He'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> and so there's a lot of those moments where you'd hit a wall, and then you'd be like, "Fuck it," <laughs> like. Um, and it did help. Like we made like no money during that time, so it was just sort of like whatever. Like what are we gonna lose? Like we were already like just eking by you know so well it's kind of the like reiterating the importance of a support system because if you were doing this by yourself it's pretty easy to get mired in it and go like i don't know if i can keep doing this but if you have a a balance of personalities and perseverance yeah like when someone's down someone else can lift you up yeah would would hate doing it by myself yeah Yeah. that's great uh any more questions maybe one more all right cool guys thank you so much for coming out Thank you to On Air Fest and thank you to Simplecast. It's been great. Thanks, Archie. Archie, thank you so much for joining us. I love that idea of the coffee table book of your life, and it's definitely something I'm going to strive for. If you enjoyed this episode of Overshare, please subscribe, rate, and review us. It's the way to help other people discover the podcast. 
Uh, and another way to help people discover the podcast is if you share it. Uh, so if you could go uh, to our Instagram at Overshare Talks, we have a bunch of amazing clips of sound bites from this episode and collages of uh, Archie's work, uh, easily shareable on the gram. If you could do that, we'd really appreciate it. Also, a huge thanks to our audio engineer and editor, Jesse Peterson, and the team at Second Child in New York City who have been hosting us in their studio and helped produce this and make this happen. Also, thanks to our producer, Moira Spahich. Uh, so great having a producer this season. What a relief. And a big thanks to Eugene and Gabby from the Working Out Working crew for the Overshare branding and the collages you'll find on our Instagram and Twitter at Overshare Talks. And thanks to Caleb Grow for our theme song, Let It Grow. Now, if you are an incredible creative or you're someone who hires incredible creatives, uh, we would love to have you join us at WorkingNotWorking.com. We are a curated community of the best creatives in the world, uh, and we have a bunch of creatives that are really eager to work, especially right now. There's a lot of freelancers out of work, and they're hungry to take on your projects. So please join us and hire the incredible talent within the network. Uh, You'll be very happy you did. And that's it for this episode. Uh, Big reminder to do not touch your face. Uh, don't touch your face. And now that I said that, you're probably thinking about that itch on your nose, but don't scratch it. Um, and also, please take a minute to reach out to someone uh, and check in on them. Uh, maybe pop in on them. Go and, uh, you know, just FaceTime them or do an Instagram video call and unannounced, just like the olden days when people like your, your crazy aunt and uncle used to show up uninvited and uh, everyone has to stop what they're doing and entertain them. You could be that person to someone right now, and I'm sure they'd really be happy to hear from you. So, uh, reach out, say hello, and uh, just know we're going to get through this and we just got to stick together and help each other out. So thank you so much for listening and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.